It's not for fame or fortune that most deem necessary. No, I invest to don a crest for work less ordinary. Nor be it want of medals, cap or polished shoes, but a calling to help others who have everything to lose. To face hell's dancing angels and suppress them with each stride. To search resolve from deep within as loved ones weep outside. To stand with pride and dignity as comrades we remember. Be it pipes lament that fill sad air or silence in September. And may those names that have been etched in brass or granite stone haunt me in the darkness so I never fight alone. And if a colleague's head hangs low from tasting tragedy, let me offer up my shoulder for them to lean on me. But when amazing grace is played, alas, for none but me, lower the flag, but raise a glass, for I'm not far from thee. I'm gathered with the old flames, looking down from God's great height, on call if aid be needed to join you in the fight. Cody Trestrail, welcome to the show. It's been, uh, I'm going to say, five years of trying to get you to sit down and talk to me about faith, family, and fire. And I I greatly appreciate it, man. I know you're a busy guy and uh, taking time today to sit down and talk to our community. And um, we we know how valuable your time is, so thank you. No, John, I appreciate it. Uh, I've told a lot of people, and I think I even told you, I made that commitment a long time ago to you. I said, whenever I decided to jump in and do podcasts, you'd be my first one. Uh, you, you were the first one to ask years ago. Yeah. And I don't remember how long ago it was, but it's, it's definitely been a little while. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I, it's not that I shying away from podcasts, uh, for fear of, you know, talking or sharing my beliefs or where I'm at with things or whether popular or unpopular opinion, it was more so really just out of a, a place, uh, with the organization I work for. And, and uh, we can jump into that a little bit later, but, uh, I was just under a microscope. Um, everything I said, uh, everything I did and uh, a lot of stuff held against me, uh, in a not so great fashion, even dealing with lawsuits and, you know, the city trying to fire me and, and using any information that was out there. So I was pretty guarded, you know, became pretty guarded with, uh, what information, uh, was available and out there to be used against me in any way. I, I saw real quick how they could change the narratives and the words to, to match, their narrative um and completely take things out of context and and stuff like that so it was just easier for me to uh kind of say no to podcasts out there um yet you know not shying away from training and stuff on the fire ground you know and things like that and uh trying to make an impact but you know to just come clean with it that was the reason why i was you know holding out for so long and uh now i'm no longer under those uh restrictions and, uh, man, I'm looking forward to this conversation with you. I've been, uh, listening to you guys and you and looking up to you. You've been a mentor, uh, for years to come now. So excited to do this. Well, I appreciate it, brother. Iron sharpens iron. You're no longer in a cage. You're no longer locked yeah. up. You're allowed to speak your mind. Your heart really is what we want to hear. Yeah, and, um, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I experienced something very similar, uh, you're very aware of that because you were one of the first people to come to our 
to our side and, and aid us. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later too. I know that's not something you share with people, but you were there for us when we were targets and when we were being, um, you know, looked at under a microscope, just like you talked about. So yeah, I, I get it, man. So yep. here's what we're going to do. We're going to start a little bit different than we started last time. You and I, we talked a little bit, we got into um, your background and how you got into the fire service, but really what I want to talk about first, and we could kind of move in that direction after is I want to get right to your faith yeah. and how your faith has grown throughout different seasons of your life and kind of look at some of the benchmarks, the areas where you can see you really dug deeper into your faith and, and needed to dig deeper into your faith. So kind of think about that first moment in your life where you really were, might've been down on your knees sure. praying to God or, you know, just getting into the Bible a little bit more. I mean, we all have those yeah. times of our life where we could kind of look back and say, this is where God really came through for me, and this is where I really needed Him most. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, well, it's it's kind of interesting take and story, and I I wonder how many people have similar type stories. I'll I'll be honest. Like I I grew up uh, somewhat around uh, you know faith and had a belief in God. Let's just say that uh, I never not believed in God or a God. Um, I would just say I never really understood who he was, who he was to me. And I never had a personal relationship, you know, but, uh, like a lot of people grew up going to church, especially on holidays, you know, in certain occasions like that, my grandmother sung in the choir and traveled around the world. Um, you know, but I, I just wasn't, it wasn't a daily part of my life and, or there was no relationship, you know, but I never not believed. Um, and it really wasn't until, Oh, my early twenties, uh, with my wife and I, Andrea, we were both saved at the same time. Um, and she comes from a very interesting background, uh, uh, with, with her faith and religion and her walk. That would be a crazy story to share with you down the road, but, um, you know, from being shunned and turned away, uh, with things. But when we were in New York, uh, you know, my daughters were young babies and we were living 3000 miles away from all of our family, all of our friends, you know, in a foreign place just for me to do the job. And, uh, I loved every minute of the job component of it. But when it came time to being at home and raising a young family, you know, and looking at the world around you, nine 11 had happened, um, you know, and we were constantly around, uh, you know, tragedy and triumph in those years, kind of post nine 11 and funerals and seeing this. And, um, it, it really wasn't until I got into squad one. And once I was assigned there, uh, we had a member, a senior guy, uh, brother of mine, Paul Stallone and Paulie was, he was that guy in the firehouse, you know, the so-called religious nut per se, or people, you know, whatever the, term they have for you but that was paul he's a tremendous fireman a tremendous uh uh brother but and a tremendous man of faith but i just man i watched him for like a year or so and just watched how he carried himself in the firehouse i watched um you know how he was with his family uh and the husband and the father that he was and i'll be honest man i i i wanted that i saw him and he was like that role model 
um, that I really didn't even know at the time that I was looking for. And, and then it turned out to Paulie invited, uh, Andrea and I and the girls to go to church with them. And, uh, that was, that was it. And it was that invite from the firehouse and, uh, went to, uh, a Calvary chapel, old bridge, New Jersey and commuted in New Jersey. And, uh, shoot, I think we went, you know, two or three times, um, visiting. And then it was like, oh man, Holy Spirit hit just, and it was like, we knew we wanted more. We knew we needed more. Just looking at things go, going on around us, man. And, you know, life was hard at that time. We were in the grind, you know, the struggle bus was real, uh, you know, and uh, both working crazy, grinding it out in a foreign place with young girls and uh, in an uncertain world. And, you know, we knew we needed more and wanted more. So, we, uh, you know, that was when we both decided made a decision together uh, to kind of recommit our lives. And uh, uh, and that was the start, I would say, really of our walk. And especially mine was the, the start of our walk um, was that moment then. Uh, and that was, shoot, 20 some years ago, you know, 20 years ago or so, you know, now I would say maybe 2001, 2002 three somewhere in there something like that yeah um, but i love i love i love that story because it goes back to that quote and i can't remember who said it but it's goes something like this it's your life might be the only bible someone ever reads oh, uh, yeah and and that's what that man did for yeah. you and i love that because so much of the lord's work and his ability to draw others closer to him it is all of his work comes through us, through our lives and our ability to carry ourselves in a way that honors him. And that's what that man did for you. And, and look where you're at today yeah. and how that, how many people you've been able to impact just from working together with that man. That's, that's powerful. And that's what it's all about. I love, I love that story. Now, when you look at the fire service and me personally, I had a relationship with God it's much stronger now than it was when I first came in the fire service, but I always believed in God. I always believed that his purpose was always in play, that everything was happening for his greater good. And that grew stronger, obviously, over the years. But I don't know if I could do the type of work we do as firefighters without that faith. And how has your faith throughout your career, and you don't have to talk about specific calls, but like what? What has that done for you? How has that allowed you to serve at the level you served at? Because you're the type of firefighter that I look up to, others all over the country look up to, your dedication to the job, training, um, the way you see the job. How has that played a role in your career and as you continue to teach across the country? Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's it's probably played the role, uh, you know, obviously, although you don't see it, you know, uh, looking back, you know, like, like you were saying, uh, my, my faith and my relationship, uh, you know, with God has grown tremendously over the, the years, um, you know, and changed in different seasons. And, um, that's been my, you know, been my career in the fire service. And, and, but I, I definitely attribute, um, you know, my core values and belief system, you know, uh, is anchored, uh, in his truth and back. And it has always pointed back to that. I've always, um, 
I've always had that belief that this was more than just a job or a career for me. It truly, you know, it, it could sound cliche, but it shouldn't. It's a calling for me. It's more, it's something special to me. It's so much more than a job to me. Um, and that is definitely something that I know now, you know, God designed me uniquely, you know, designed you uniquely for this time. Uh, and with, with my gifts and my passions and desires, he knows our heart's desires and how to best use them. Uh, I think we get in our own way of it, (laughs) you know, more often than not. But so I just, I feel like I've always had that burn in me that it is basically been from him, uh, you know, the, the belief in that it's, it's something special. We do the nobility of it, uh, selfless sacrifice and service to others. And it's really just emulating Christ. You know, that's to me what the fire service is. It's emulating love. It's emulating selfless service. Uh, and man, who doesn't want, you know, a part of that. And I just, I, I soak it up, man. I eat it. And, you know, I'll be honest. uh, I've had so many conversations, just what you said with my wife, where I've looked around with certain situations or tragedy or just times in the fire service and shoot times in the last couple of years in society. And I'll be honest, I, I say all the time, I don't know how people do this without having faith because I don't believe that I could, um, uh, I've only been able to navigate, uh, you know, this life and relationships and what's going on with it and the peace that I have from it now. And it hasn't all been that way. And I have a relationship uh, and it's been hard. And I just can't imagine, uh, you know, doing this without. Hold on, I gotta let my let my dog in real quick. Stop. Yeah, no worries. What I would say, you know, coming back to it, I think it's it's played a huge, huge role in just how I process the firehouse, uh, the job calls, you know, certain things and, and knock on wood. But I, I've been blessed uh, to, you know, to this point in my life and career, I, you know, uh, to not suffer through any PTSD, you know, type symptoms um, or things. And, you know, so many of our brothers and sisters have and do and friends and family um, around. And um, I attribute that to being able to process the hard calls and the times and the stressors of the job of, you know, one is, is my relationship, uh, you know, with God and giving it to him and putting, really trying to lean in and put all my trust uh, into him. But then also having a wife, uh, you know, and Andrea is my rock, like, you know, being able to come home and share everything with her. And, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I think a lot of brothers and sisters out there don't have that. Um, and we know plenty of brothers and sisters that have a relationship with Christ uh, and still, you know, have hard times and suffer. So there's nothing... You know, that's kind of there's nothing uh, in uh, in our faith or nothing. God says, you know, that we are not going to suffer, you know, or go have hard times. Um, And uh, but I do attribute that to me personally. Um, You know, thank God, like I've just been able to um, turn to him for strength, guidance, 
perseverance, the courage <laughs> to move forward through things, process things, separate things, um, deal with things and move to the next thing, you know, and I think we can get caught up in some of the negatives of things, whether that's, uh, you know, and hold on to things in the firehouse and things that uh, the department or calls even maybe that have affected us and, and we can, we can just dwell on those things. And uh, I think it's so important to make sure that we're giving it the time to acknowledge it, those things, but, but move on, man, you know, and uh, that's been the biggest season of my life right now, you know, in the last couple of years is really, trying to process everything going on in my career and what it's looked like and what my identity was and wrongly wrapped up in and, um, you know, where I'm at with, with things now, but it, it is, you know, is because I have peace now, um, only because I've really dug into what that relationship, you know, with God looks like for me, you know, and it, it, the idea of, you know, I'm I'm not asking God to change his ways or the ways of thinking of God to fit my life or my narrative. Um, I'm really digging down and have been digging down to really look at the things in my life that I need to be doing and where I'm at to make sure that I'm changing my ways in my life to meet God's standards, you know, and man, man, I'm blessed right now. Well, you know, it's the peace, the word peace has come up multiple times for you. Yeah. And we go back to the fire service. We talk about humility and being humble. And I can't think of a, a view of humility for me personally. I know you feel the same way of what Jesus endured. You know, you go back to that movie, the passion of the Christ and you watch that movie and, and you watch him getting beaten mm -hmm. the way he gets beaten and you watch him suffer the way he suffers so that we even could, so that we even could have hard times, which really, how hard are they in comparison? And that's, there's such a humility that comes with that type of perspective that you have. And from that humility, you get peace. You have peace. Yeah, yeah. And in a world full of chaos, in a world full of uncertainty, um, it's really hard to find peace not even doing our job. You could work a 40 hour work week behind a cubicle and not see here and smell the things that we do mm -hmm. and still not have peace. Now you throw in what we do. I love hearing, and I could see it cause I could see you. I could see it in your eyes and in your expressions. It's just this feeling, this, the Holy spirit, man, I don't know how to explain that when people ask me like, what, what is that like? I can't explain it other than just tell you what it's done for yeah. me for you to tell others what it's done for yeah. you. And uh, I think there's also a resilience that comes because resilience is a big word in the fire service with all the mental health stuff that's going yeah. on. I think there's a resilience in giving it to God mm. that now, you know, he's in control. Like we want to create resilience ourselves and that's fine. We should right through hard work and challenging ourselves but the ultimate form of resilience I've found is giving it to God, knowing that he's in control. And it's trained, right? It's, it, it's what we're all about. You know, we preach, you know, especially, you know, guys like you and, and, and the others we surround ourselves, you know, about training and preparation for the job and tremendous amount of our, uh, uh, you know, mental and physical side, you know, uh, and a large component of our time is put into that training component, um, 
within the fire service, but that, that, that if you flip that, that's what the struggle, the difficulty, that's what being refined by the fire. Like I love trial and tribulation. You know, we've talked and sent some messages back and forth to each other over the years and, and, you know, going through stuff now, even, even today. And man, I wouldn't say I look forward to it, but I, I, I have, I'm in a place now where it's basically bring it on. I know, I know that this is being used for good, that I'm being, I'm being refined, you know, uh, and I will come out of this on the other side, the better version of me, you know, the better father, the better husband, the better friend, the better fireman, you know, through this. And, uh, you know, so there, there is a, a mental mindset to that, a, a resiliency. And we talk about all these tactical resiliencies and mental, all this stuff, but it really is, man. That's what faith is, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, you reach that point and you have all of your trust, you know, is in God uh, and that faith that it may look different. You know, it, it's going to be different. This in this seat right here, John, a year ago, year and a half. This is not where I thought I would be at all. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't I, I didn't even want that. Like it, it wasn't even on my radar, you know. Um, and there were times where I did struggle, uh, you know, with what was going on and what was happening and what I perceived to be happening to me, you know, and I believed to be personal attacks on me, um, and my family and, you know, and I look at it now and it's like, dang, God, you're good. You're so good. I didn't even know it could be this good. You know, I say all the time, like I feel better mentally, uh, and physically now than I felt in years. I didn't even know I needed to feel as good or could feel as good. Um, but it is because of that. It's that training mindset that I do have for the fire service and the love of that job and preparation for the job and knowing that that preparation, it's going to translate to the fire ground, right? Ultimately. And I know the same thing that this, this training, this preparation, this refining process right now, man, this is going to translate right now to this conversation, to life, family, friends, the job, you know, in the same way. Totally. And the way you frame that up, I love it because you're basically taking adversity and all the challenges that life throws at you and you're looking at it like the drill ground. You're looking at it like the training ground and it's the drill ground, the training ground of life. And now you see it as opportunity. And I like how you said, I don't necessarily look for it, but I know it's coming. And when it does come, I see the good in the bad, as difficult as it may be. And we'll talk a little bit about what you recently went through. You're able to see all the growth that's going to take place for yourself and for your family. And man, it's uncomfortable at times. I mean, we're going through a difficult season here. We've talked about it before. And there are times where it's like, man, it'd be a lot easier if this just wasn't happening, (laughs) you know, if this would just go away. But then where would I be? You know, what did I need to learn in this process that I would never learn if I just was able to hit the easy button mm-hmm. and for that thing to go away? Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, adversity is the the drill ground yeah. uh, for our lives. I love yeah. that. Talk to me about your recent separation from the fire department you were with as much as you're willing yeah. to talk about, but more importantly, like how you process that. I know there were different stages. We talk about like, you know, the stages of death. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like that for somebody who leaves the fire service when they retire. 
And then if there's some adversity that causes you to move in that direction, I'm sure it's even more of that kind of uh, different stages of, of, of getting to the point where you're like, you know what, I need to go. Yeah. So if you don't mind kind of going back to that first, those first signs that things just weren't what you wanted them to be and how that kind of moved to where you're at today, you're sitting in Montana mm-hmm. in a beautiful home with a beautiful piece of land mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you're happy. I see the smile on your face, but I know that smile wasn't on your yeah. face going through this process. Yeah. So talk to us about that. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I won't shy from it. You know, this, this season, definitely this last year, you know, I tell people all the time, uh, it's definitely been the hardest year of my life personally. Um, you know, been through a lot over the years, you know, and, and a lot of tragedy, a lot of good, a lot of stuff like that. But I'll tell you, man, this year has been a grinder. Um, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it shook me to my core. Um, it's, it's, it at times had me so angry, you know, and so bitter, um, that you know i'll tell people like i just couldn't even recognize myself anymore to be honest with you um and so you know things have always been i i i've battled you know things within the fire service like all of us have and you have you know and you can talk about that a little bit later down the road if you want but uh you know we've all been through things we put yourself out there anybody that does for anything and you're gonna you know there's gonna be criticism and the naysayers and this and that and i battled my organization uh you know and other firefighters and and people you know for years and years and years uh and i'm okay you know to the point to where andrea you said she she would tell everybody too. It's like, yeah, Cody goes to work and he just stands there, opens his legs. And it's like, kick me in the nuts, you know? And it's like, I feel like that's what it was. It's like, all right, I'm going, going to work, kick me in the nuts. You know, and that's just, it's like, let's, let's do this, you know? And so there's been lots of that back and forth over the years. And I'll tell you, I've kind of battled it a little bit. Um, the idea of, you know, kind of, uh, my career, if you will, ending, you know, earlier than I anticipated, because I I did always see myself, my visions, my dreams, my goal was to be the crotchety old senior man in the firehouse that basically had to be forced out, you know, and I would always say, and Andrea would tell you, like, he's not leaving retirement, like there is no years 20, 25, 30, even 40, like, it was basically, unless something physically, you know, stopped me from being able to do the job, um, you know, there's a good chance that I wouldn't leave the firehouse. And, and honestly, like that's the conversations. And Andrew would tell you up, up until recently, you know, but I had dealt with injuries as well. So I'll be honest, you know, as, as things have come to light in the last year, it's, it's like looking at the whole big picture because I do have back injuries. I've had back surgery, had like 13 injections in the last year and a half in my back. Uh, and, you know, I had glimpses of second and third opinions where I had doctors telling me that I shouldn't be doing the job, not going back to the job, fought to get back, you know. And um, I felt like in the last little bit, I've been a, on a little bit borrowed time, um, if you will. Um, and that's with doing the job to the capacity that I believe, you know, we should be doing the job and that I love to do the job and want to do the job. You know, I worked in a very busy firehouse, 31s. I love my company, uh, the Lords of Rockwood. Um, it was very busy and I would have never left 31s. The grind, you know, uh, the calls after midnight, the mental grind, the pushing it, the the toll on the body and the, the love of the job and the grind. Like, seriously, I wouldn't have left. 
um, and it was breaking me down, you know, uh, physically. Uh, but the idea that that broke me down more than that was the idea of having to leave 31s. And even before that, guys are like, uh, you might want to slow things down, move to a slower company, you know, head up to the hill or something like that. And I'll tell you what, that would have been death, you know, for me. I, I, I couldn't even imagine doing it. So um, there's been times in the last couple of years that, you know, those thoughts of, oh, wow, maybe I'm not going to be that old guy in the firehouse being pushed off that senior man, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that time is going to be shorter than I thought. Um, you know, so I think that kind of was weighing on me that I was physically dealing with my back at the same time, trying to give everything, which leads kind of into this. I, I felt like I was giving everything I had to stay on the rig, you know, to stay in Rockwood, to keep going at the capacity I was. And, and the job was getting the absolute very best of me. Everything I had was going into just being able to keep up on the job. Um, even though I was breaking down and then at home I was holding back and I couldn't do things. And, you know, a lot of things were keeping me back. And then, and then it started to happen as we got into, uh, you know, COVID era time and, you know, I'll just put it out there. I'm unvaccinated. I'll say, it. um, you know, and I'll be honest, I don't really care if people are or are not, you know, that's your choice. Um, but, uh, I'm unvaccinated and that didn't play very well. And things started to come down with, uh, within the city of Portland with, uh, vaccine mandates and things going on. And, um, you know, I could just start to see, the writing on the wall with some of that stuff happening. And as I was like, well, I feel like I'm giving the very best of myself to this job, but now that isn't being returned um, to me. You know, I'm being thought of as being disposable. And um, to be honest, I, re I reached a point to where I was going home Andrea, the girls, family, friends, brothers in battle, every, no, nobody was getting the best of me except for me trying to continue to give everything I had when I went to work. And, uh, man, I was bitter. I was angry. And uh, I was just unrecognizable, you know. And uh, I love people. I love the job. I love service. Uh, I'm not a depressed, angry person. And I was starting to check all of those boxes, you know, and I had to look in the mirror and uh, I didn't like who I saw, you know, or what I saw. And as those things were, were, you know, kind of evolving over time, what happened was, is, uh, you know, the city asked us to put in religious exemptions um, or not, or declare if we were going to, uh, which I struggled with there as well to be honest with you and i think it's important for some guys to share this but i, I struggle with that too because I, I was pretty angry and bitter that the city of portland would have the audacity to you know for me to essentially present them a golden ticket you know saying that i have faith so please let me work you know and now i've got a city that's being led by people with no faith you know in the in the you know in a position to decide whether I have enough faith or not to continue working, you know, um, that sincerely held belief, you know, and that, and I debated on even submitted that 
Um, and then legally, you know, our lawyers were saying in order to have a legal fight down the road, if it's coming, then you got to do it. And reluctantly, I'll be honest, reluctantly, I did it. Are you pointing, you waving at me or are you waving at my? No, you're oh. good. You're good. Keep okay. going. I was, I was just showing my mother-in-law the, the podcast. We got our family awesome. here for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, mom. All right. Keep going. <laughs> uh, keep going. Yeah. Sorry, dude. No, no worries. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of felt like it was like, well, now this is being put in like, you know, I've got this golden ticket out there that can be also now pulled at any given time, you know, and I didn't like that. And then we, they are putting things on us. It was pretty extreme. I'll be honest with you. Uh, in the city of Portland, they were wanting us to come into the firehouse in the morning, announce that we are unvaccinated members to everybody. Uh, you had you had to go straight to your room and everybody's got individual dorm rooms. Now all the firehouses have been converted over the years, uh, has individual rooms. You had to go straight to your room with a mask on, with an N95 on, go straight to your room, close the door. And even in the policy says that you had to eat and drink in your room behind closed doors. And you still had to have the mask on behind closed doors. Right. And then you have, but that, but then when the tones go off, oh, yeah. you're, it's okay for you to get on the rig and go to the and most everything. chaotic. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, the, the hypocrisy. So that's the the reality of it, man. That was going on, you know. And then I had to be out of the firehouse in the morning. I had to decon my room, windows open, and then leave the firehouse within 15 minutes. You know, could only be in the fire. And again. I felt like I'm coming, I'm giving everything. I'm willing to give everything mentally and physically, my life, my family's life. You know, I, uh, for 27 years now, I've given everything to this. And now this is what it's coming down to. And this is what it feels. And, you know, we had had so-called brothers and sisters that honestly did have the feeling, man. That, and I'll just say it, man, they, it hurt. They, they thought that we belonged in camps. And, um, you know, I just felt like the city... Um, not everybody, uh, and obviously not everybody in my organization, but this was the beliefs from my fire chief, uh, the commissioners and down was to enact this and follow this. And then it started forcing me to go down this road of like, now I'm this employee that I would, you know, uh, I would say that I've not been a problem employee over my career, although the, the city and the department may argue differently, uh, just our views, uh, different views and on the job and how to go about doing our job. But, you know, and it came down to, you know, being mandated and like a lot of organizations across the, the country have dealt with staffing issues, morale issues, all kinds of things that, um, you know, going along with this. And then, you know, now you're, you're mandating me to work and continue to work in, in this environment. And it was, it was wearing on me mentally, you know, and physically. And, uh, I was becoming very angry, very bitter. And, um, you know, and then it came to a point to where they wanted us to submit more paperwork and acknowledge if we were going to follow these things. And I decided to opt not to send in my paperwork. Um, and I was just at that point, I had made my decision that whatever was going to happen was going to happen. But I'm I'm done playing these games. And so I kind of felt like from October on, I was going on going into work every day, not knowing if, you know, if I'm going to show up to work and they're going to, you know, send me home. And, and that was going to be it, you know, and I, so I went through that whole process, you know, emotionally, uh, 
with Andrea, you know, and at home and crying tears. And I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, man. There are many of those first days that I cried going into work, going into the firehouse, wondering if this is going to be my last day. And all the, the, the stuff that we think about and we've seen with, you know, brothers and sisters in our careers that have retired, you know, that we've been around. And it's like, I've always put myself in those shoes and been like, Oh, what would be that be like coming into the fire, knowing you're coming into the firehouse for the last time, that last drive, that last cup of coffee, that last run, those, those things that I thought was way, way down the road. We're now like, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Is this going to be it? Is this going to be it today? Is this going to be it? Is this and brother, it, it was crushing me. Um, it, it really was. And, uh, I finally had just reached a decision, uh, you know, with Andrea and just in a place of complete brokenness, uh, <laughs> crying out desperately, uh, to God, I knew I needed to make a drastic change. Um, I needed, I needed, uh, I, I realized at that point that my, entire identity had been wrapped up in being a fireman and uh um that was a hard pill to swallow man because i've fought that over the years many times you know and, and i say things and we do and i believe in faith family you know and firemanship and fire and um you know i always thought that i was putting faith first and uh family first and at times and you know it's little cliche a lot of people have said it but there's been more times than not that the fire service has been uh you know uh my mistress you know over the years and andrea will tell you i haven't always done a great job at that but i've, I've worked at it um and man i just in a complete state of brokenness i knew that i was not truly walking out what I was talking, what I was, you know, telling friends, family, teaching, preaching this faith, family fire. Um, I wasn't walking it out, man. I felt like a fraud too. And I was just completely broke. And I knew I needed to just completely, um, drastically, uh, and dramatically change, you know, everything. And it was basically dramatically recommit my life to Jesus, you know, and, and saying, I, I don't have this anymore. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what you have for me, but I know it's better than this. And, uh, you know, I needed to, I need to make some changes, man. So I, you know, recommitted, uh, you know, my life to, to Christ and, and that commitment and made the decision with Andrea, you know, after a lot of prayer time <clears throat> that said, uh, you know, the, the state, that, um, you know, my department is in and the, the city is in and the, the state is in that, uh, we needed more, you know, I just felt like, uh, uh, it was time to make that drastic change, man. We needed out, you know, and I felt like it was just kind of coming at us and me from all different angles, family, friends, work, like couldn't get out of it, was surrounded by it. Um, and there are some other things leading up to that feeling as well if we have time or you want to get into some things with firemanship conference and support and stuff like that in our area. But I, I just holistically felt like the entire area that I had given so much for, um, at least I thought was essentially turning their backs on me, man, and my family. Um, and it broke me. Uh, but 
you know, it comes back again, uh, <laughs> that refining process, man. And, uh, it broke me, um, you know, but now, dang, John, I, <laughs> God is good. You know, we made that decision to leave and, and, you know, contrary to what some people believe, I, I was not fired. Um, I wasn't fired at any point, not because of the mandates. I wasn't fired. Um, you know, the city tried to fire me because of firemanship stuff, you know, previously before that, but I wasn't fired. I left, um, and, you know, decided to make the decision to leave and that, uh, that chapter, you know, hey, Cody. That, uh, my career, uh, Co- can you hear me? Okay. Portland and, and there was over. And, uh, you know, I'll just tell you that at this point, man, um, I am a fireman at heart, you know, uh, through and through God knows, uh, you know, our desires. He made me this way and God willing, oh, yeah. I'm not done with the fire service. Uh, oh no. It's just Cody. I'm going to have you, uh, I'm going to have, I'm going to have you turn off your camera just because the camera, I'm going to turn mine off too. It'll help us with the, the, uh, cause we're getting a little bit of a lag. So yep. we'll just turn our cams off and I think that'll help us. Okay. okay how's that sound? Yep. Still got you. Yeah. You're that's way better. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. No, no worries. Yeah, man. So I don't know. I'll just tell you that God willing, um, I'm going to place, I'm not done with the fire service, brother. Um, I hope the fire service isn't done with me. Um, it's just going to look different and I don't know what that's going to look like fully. Um, I know that looking forward, um, uh, that it will, it'll be good though, you know, and I'm kind of looking forward to see, you know, what transpires, but I know that, you know, coming back to, if I do put my faith first, you know, and my family, the firemanship is going to come, the fire is going to come and, uh, yeah, we're going to see what that looks like you know and uh i'm ready to turn the page man start that next chapter it's happening well what i really love about your story is you're in this place where your core values your principles you know your the way you live your life is in direct opposition to the way your organization is treating you yeah and it's real easy to compromise because you had to, right? You're providing for your family. Yeah. You need a job. We all need to provide for our families. Yep. All that stuff. And it's really easy to compromise and to shrink our beliefs, our values, our principles. But at one, at some point, that just became too much. And when you say you felt like a fraud, that's really just, you're just not living your your true self with Correct. Christ created you to be. And he'll let you know. Yeah. He will let you know. Yeah. One way or another, even if he has to put more pressure on you in that moment, even if he has to bring another mandate in, in the in the picture or, yeah. or have somebody at the firehouse, you know, say something. To, he knows how to do that to make sure that we're if he's using you to do his work, yeah. he's going to make sure that you're in position to do that. And initially, it may not be comfortable, but you had the courage, man. And that's what I love about your story is you had the courage to remove yourself from that situation. But more importantly, you had the faith because you didn't know how that was going to look. No. And even to this day, it's still still unfolding. So right there, we talk about courage. Like as firefighters, we all have courage to go, you know, through the threshold into a hostile environment. Man, that 
I, I get it. That's courage. That's what we want to do. Yeah. That we all we all want like we're all waiting for that to happen. Yeah. Every single time we go to work. Send and me. Yeah. Real courage is being in the situation you're in and having the conviction to pull yourself out of it, having the courage and having the faith. And I, and that's inspiring. That's inspiring to everybody who is listening because right now there are firefighters all over the country and it doesn't have to be a mandate. It could be toxic leadership. Mm -hmm. It could be low standards. Yeah. It could be whatever that is for you. Yeah. Know, know that you are in control. Yeah. You are not being held hostage by your fire department. Yeah. You get to choose that next step. Yeah. And although your fire department's holding you to a standard and maybe that standard is nowhere near the standard you hold yourself to, maybe it's actually bringing you down. You also get to hold your fire department to a standard. A hundred percent. Yeah, we've talked about that before. I believe that in my being, you know, I, I, I believe, you know, that is, you know, many of us in the fire service, especially in the in the arena that we spend our time with and training and conferences and those people, you know, we, you know, so many brothers and sisters across the country are fighting the same battles, you know, and the same types of things, you know, um, I, I, I think mentioned this before when we talked previously but i i just yeah i want to encourage whatever the situation is it doesn't have to be the extreme mandates or anything like that but just within your fire department man um you know keep fighting for change making change doing what's right and and i do believe that um you know i i'm all about you know holding yourself accountable you know and going out and doing the things you know engine zero stretching lines taking hydrants, masking up by yourself, um, you know, mentally sizing up stuff, physically preparing, you know, all of that stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, by yourself, nobody's joining you and trying to get people to join in. But, but I'll tell you what, and you could probably talk on this, you know, even more so than me, because you, you made a change into your department, you know, recently with that. But I tell people all the time, man, yeah, you, you can hold your department accountable. And if that isn't happening, man, don't stay in that environment. That environment's toxic. You know, bringing it on. Nothing says that you've got to commit an entire career, you know, your life. But if anything, we've seen in the last couple of years, you know, take notice, man, the world has changed. Things change and they can and they can for the better, you know, as well. And so, um, yeah, have the courage to step out, you know, and, and be bold with your convictions and your values. And if your department isn't meeting you there, you know, there can be a time and a place to maybe, you know, wait things out and help become part of the change. But there's also times, man, pull the ripcord. That's okay too. You know, make the change. And, uh, um, you know, so I just encourage people to, you know, there's a lot of brothers and sisters out there in the trenches. And, um, you know, I, I think oftentimes we over, um, I don't know what the, what's the word. I, I think we over compensate and, and, you know, try to build each other up and speak into, you know, just going out and keep doing you and keep being you and, you know, be willing to do this by yourself and, you know, do all of these things, you know, but at, at some point, man, wouldn't it be better to just, you know, be on a, on right. the winning team. You just took the words out of my mouth. I mean, you're the, let's just say this, you're the wide receiver that's showing up before everybody else you're leaving after everyone else leaves you're putting the work you're doing everything you're a phenomenal wide receiver but you're on a losing team yeah and you're continuing to do your part day in and day out 
do you stay on a losing team for 30 years yeah. or 20 years? Yeah. Or do you, you, you're, you're not, you're not going to become a loser. You're not going to just say, Hey, I'm going to fall right in line with what everyone else is doing because that's just what we do here. Yeah. So I agree at some point. Yeah, definitely try to create that change. And I know you did that in your organization. Yeah. I did it in the organization that I left to go to the one I'm with now. And at some point, you know, you know when that point is. Only you are the one that knows. Absolutely. But don't be afraid to make that change and don't be afraid to step out on faith. We, even if that means having to go through another academy. Yeah. If you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing anyway, you're going to be able to handle that no problem. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's powerful, man. So I want to talk a little bit about the firemanship conference and I want to talk about what that did for your area, but more importantly, our country mm. kind of that vision that you had to create that conference. Cause what I love about today's fire service, you know, back when I first started, I'm in my 20th year. When I first started, the only show in town was either FDIC or a firehouse world. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And, and, and that was kind of like, it was cool because that's all there I knew. That was the only thing out there. But as the last five, ten years in your conference was a big part of that, these local conferences. Yeah. I've learned I've learned more from these local conferences than I ever would at these big mega conferences because you're shoulder to shoulder with oh, the instructors. Yeah. Yeah. You're having those side conversations. Oh. The group the groups are smaller. There's authenticity. There's there's real like sharing the losses, not just the wins. Like they'll talk to you about what they did wrong more than than what they did right. Mm -hmm. And in that in that moment, you're 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 learning things that would have taken you 20 years and you know 100 mistakes yourself to learn. This is such an incredible time for the fire service. It's so awesome to watch. Yeah, yeah I am so I'm so excited for where we're going. Yeah. So talk to me about the vision you had for your conference and how it started and then talk about some of the some of the challenges you had towards the end there and and what and what that did to you and how you had to dig into your faith in those situations as well yeah um well let's see um kind of little known um people may not realize it so when i started firemanship conference um I had never attended a show. I'd never attended FDIC. Obviously, I knew about FDIC and those things, but I had never atten attended another conference at that point in my life. Um, but so for me, I always feel like what we were trying to do is authentic and true um, to myself, uh, my mentors, kind of my career trajectory my path, uh, my beliefs and what the fire service was and what this is we do and, and what our mission is. And, um, you know, it was truly out of a, a, a place of that, of just wanting to bring training to our region, you know, our little armpit up in the Pacific Northwest, um, up there. And I'll be honest, when we started it, I wasn't really even anticipating it being a national level thing or drawing national attention or people coming. It was more so um, to expose our region, you know, uh, our little corner to outside perspective and like so many places, you know, in departments, you know, that are just, you know, begging for, you know, training and 
perspective and ideas and things out there. Like, you know, we're, you know, pretty stagnant with a lot of things going on in our region. And, um, you know, I was exposed working on both coasts and having friends across the country and brothers in battle have already at that point, I think been running for like five or six years, you know, so kind of exposed to uh, a lot of departments and training and mindsets across the country. And I wanted, I really just wanted to, you know, expose our little corner of the country uh, to outside perspective and bring in, um, yeah, outside speakers and conferences. So it started small. And uh, that first year, it was just a lecture series, a couple days of lectures and uh, reached out to, you know, some friends and and contacts. And uh, that first year is, is crazy successful. Didn't even envision it being uh, as successful as it was, Um, you know, and so I wanted to do that, but I think it's important that a lot of people here know, like, um, you know, what we did with firemanship conference and still do a big part of that. And even brothers in battle is, uh, is a reflection of our hearts, man. And my heart and Andrea's heart. Um, and it's just given hearts, you know, we wanted to do it. Like there is zero money made. There's, you know, not a nickel in the, my pocket, you know, or anything. It was out of a position of wanting to just really provide the best training possible and do it for a great cause, you know, and it kind of comes down to like our mission statement says, and, and that's really it in a nutshell, you know? And so it was wanting to look for, um, you know, an organization at that point to partner with, to benefit with it. I knew I wanted great training and I wanted to, to be able to, you know, say, Hey, we're, we're supporting this organization and everything after we do training wise, you know, is going to go to them. So that was just kind of, it started that journey. That was a pretty awesome story actually. And backstory with that is how we got involved with sons of the flag uh, and they became our primary beneficiary. So at that point, um, we had wrapped up doing a couple of years previous, uh, Andrea and I put on, uh, and brothers in battle put on, uh, a benefit conference called raise for Rubicon. And it was a volleyball tournament every summer that we put on, try to get local fire departments to put together volleyball teams, bring their families out to the park, um, have an auction, do stuff, uh, entry fees, all that stuff and have a volleyball tournament and everything that we did, all the money we raised was donated to team Rubicon. And, uh, and then as I wanted to lean into doing firemanship conference, Andrew is like, you, you can't do them both. You, we only got so much time, so many irons in the fire. You got to choose one or the other. And we've been running with raised for Rubicon for a couple years at that point. And I decided to make the shift to <clears throat> firemanship conference and, um, uh, was looking for the beneficiary. Well, I, I kind of thought I wanted it to be something, you know, to do with burn victims and, uh, I started looking around at things and I have so much respect, uh, uh, for our military and so much passion for, and, and hold our military into such high esteem. Um, you know, I was looking around and I, came across an organization called Sons of the Flag that was started by Ryan Parrott, Navy SEAL, that got out, and it was basically to raise awareness and money for burn victims. And it wasn't just for burn victims, but in the sense of 
hey, we'll help you out for, you know, get your family here and, and care and treatment with these stuff. But it was it was really at that time they were digging into what the technology is for burn and wound care and treatment, you know, and then I started to learn things like burn care relatively hasn't changed since the 70s, the Vietnam era, you know, with things and, um, you know, start seeing all this stuff, obviously, you know, going through the 2000s and, you know, uh, or wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and having friends and, and people in the military and seeing, you know, seeing our military come back with traumatic injuries and amputations and burns and seeing just all the stuff they were doing. I really just became aware of how much was going in and how much we could do with, you know, shoot amputations. You know, we got guys that made it back into special forces with, you know, missing legs, uh, you know, and in the Olympics and all kinds of amazing stuff, but burn, care just hadn't changed so um i was like this is going to be a perfect fit i think and what sealed the deal was as i was looking through their website um just researching them i came across the name john walters and john walters is was a member of sons of the flag and i was like john walters no way it can't be the same john and i looked him up looked up his bio and sure enough it was john walters he's he's uh from the FDNY, worked in Rescue One in Manhattan. And John, years ago, I want to say I might be wrong in, in the year, but 2006, maybe 2005 is somewhere in there. John was uh, standing in the back of Rescue One in Manhattan and hit by a taxi cab and lost his leg and um, was obviously off the job after that. Well, kind of little side story to that is, I was actually working overtime in Rescue One that day on the day tour, the 9 by 6 tour. John came in and was my relief, and I went back to my firehouse squad one back in Brooklyn. John was my relief, and later that night is when John got hit and lost his leg. Um, wow. Yeah. So I was like, oh, man, this is, you know, this is definitely, all right, God, here we go. You know, this is. this Right. So I just, I. I reached out to him and I called John, you know, out of the blue and then just kind of painted this story of, you know, this is what's going on. This is what I'm thinking about doing, you know, and I'll be honest at that time too, Sons of the Flag wasn't really on, on the spectrum, wasn't involved with a lot going on in the fire service and to the point to where they're at now. And I pitched him this idea and I was like, listen, I want to put on this conference. I've never done it before. Never, you know, all I know is I want kick-ass training, you know, and I want to do it for a great cause. And you guys are that cause. And he's like, all right, you know, and then in contact with uh, Ryan Parrott, you know, we just started talking and then it just, it, it kind of grew from there. He's like, yeah, man, I'll come out. I'll help, um, you know, whatever you need. We would be honored to, to be benefited from it. And, you know, I had those upfront conversations with Ryan from the very beginning. I was like, I don't know how much we're going to raise, how much we're going to give you. Part of it is hopefully even just awareness of who you guys are and what you're doing, you know? Um, but uh, from day one, you know, our mission has always been about the training, great training for us, the fire department, providing great training. And then everything afterwards, providing that training was go, we were going to donate, you know, and uh, that was kind of our, our model. And uh, so, Cody, let me ask you this. So it's coming from a good place. It's coming from your heart. I know you. I know this is truth. I know it's coming from wanting to do good. How does it feel when you are moving 
in a direction of helping other people to be attacked. Oh man. And to be and to be labeled other things that are nowhere near who you are. I mean, you're a man of faith. Yeah. You have a great deal of respect for women, yeah. your wife, your yeah. daughters. Yeah. I mean, all the things that I know you were being called or yeah. they were trying to label you as yeah, man. was not true. Yeah. None of it. No. I mean, how did you handle that? Because I know, I know what that feels like at some level, not at the level you do though. Cause I never went through what you went through, Yeah. but man, when you're, when your honor, integrity, character is all challenged by people yeah. who have an agenda, Yeah. man, that's a hard pill to swallow. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, for sure. It, it's hard. It's been hard over the years. I, I, I think, you know, a lot of, you know, going back to when Andrew used to say, just go into the firehouse and stand there and get your nuts kicked in, you know, from the job, Try, all of us trying to make change. You know, th I was used to a level of, uh, adversity, if you will, a level of friction, you know, with things. Um, I really didn't envision it what was going to take place or transpire. And I definitely, you know, that whole process has refined me, shaped me, you know, I am who I am. I, I you know, uh, it, it, that Andrea and I look back to that honestly. And a couple of years ago, even before the mandates, COVID stuff, really what shaped us of being willing to stand out and stand up and stand in the gap and really stand for our values and our convictions. Um, you know, and identify truly the things that we stand for and the things that we won't stand for. That started truly because of firemanship conference. Uh, and because exactly what you said, man, there's it there. It was basically just a labor of love, just pure from our hearts. I really feel like God had put that uh, on our hearts and my heart to do this and, and to give and build into it and to share with it and, and try to create that culture and that environment that it did, um, you know, and everything that's wrapped up in and hopefully still, you know, spoke about. I, I really hold firemanship conference in a real special place. And, and at that time, there wasn't a whole lot of other smaller regional things going on in, in that movement to be honest. And I think it was really special, that environment. And that's what really hurt the most was that started to become under attack. And again, it wasn't under attack just from people across the country and people I didn't know, but it was, um, we found ourselves under attack from our very communities that we lived in, worked in, that I'd been a part of for 27 years that I started in. Um, that I was a fire cadet in, that I provided training with those departments. Brothers in Battle um, has been a part of the training in the last 11, 12 years with all of those departments in our entire metro area. And some of my closest friends, um, you know, are members of all of those departments surrounded you. I, I initially started in those departments and 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 so I felt like what had happened was early on, we had a tremendous amount of support. And then, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I just call it what it is. You know, I don't know if it's the right term or it's going to offend people or piss people off, but it was really just kind of the woke ideology, the, the woke mob, the political correctness, and it came down to lies. And it really came down to, you know, we had one organization who uh, had a chief uh, or uh, who was a friend that 
um, was in position to become a chief of a department uh, locally and basically, uh, shoot, how much to really get into it with this? Uh, uh, basically lies and accusations with some things and it turned into basically politically all the departments around us decided to meet and decide if they were going to continue to support firemanship conference or not. And it was unanimously voted, um, even though I'm friends with many of the chiefs and sat down with all of those chiefs, like I said, and provided training with over the years with all of these organizations, they all unanimous, unanimously uh, voted to back out their support of firemanship. Everybody except for Clackamas Fire um, around us. And that hurt, man. I, I A lot of friends, you know, and uh, a lot of ties. And it was really, you know, because people were afraid politically, you know, to do the right thing. And uh, I, I feel. And so it just started that snowball effect. And it really just started out initially with, um, you know, losing support with, you know, uh, training grounds and equipment and logistics and supplies. And then it came down to, well, we weren't going to support members going and you can't go. And, and, you know, and it just kind of started the snowball effect, but I'll tell you what, John, that, that, that adversity that we were going through though. Um, and because a lot of it, I wasn't super shy from, you know, backing away from, um, made a decision, uh, to stand by my convictions and values. And even though we had chiefs of fire departments all around us, you know, telling us to do things and what to do and what not to do and, and trying to lay out demands, if you will. And I'll be honest, like that's not a position that most firefighters are willing to, to stand up and battle, you know, against chiefs from departments and organizations. And, and, uh, you know, it, it, it was tough, but, uh, you know, my faith, um, my values, those convictions and having Andrea by my side, you know, and the support, I would also say from many of those firefighters within those organizations, including ones I worked with, you know, brothers and sisters around that knew, gave me the strength, you know, and courage to, to keep standing and fighting. Um, and, you know, they tried to stop the training um, and it just kept getting bigger and it kept getting stronger and the response was greater and the money raised was more. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it just became what it was, I think, partly because of the adversity. But that adversity it just kept ramping up, you know, and I will tell you that um, we had just it's just ridiculous. Some of the demands departments like, it, you know, we were saying we were being told that there's too many references to God. Uh, there's too much swearing. Um, we didn't want you to, uh, do the pledge of allegiance, you know, at your conference. And I'm not bullshitting, John, like this, these types of things, these lists of demands were coming to me from chiefs. Um, you know, and you need to do this. And it was like, what? (laughs) Really? Cody, what I love about this is the idea that when you live your life by principles, Principles that you pull, they're they're in the Bible. Yeah. They're thousands of years. They're in the Bible. When you live your life by principles, your decisions are already made before you have to make them. Yeah. 
Yeah. And although like sometimes it takes a little bit to get there, maybe it did when you were working for your department and you finally left the moment you started experiencing that the decision was already made. It just took time to process it. Yeah. Same thing with the conference. When these demands were coming to you, it was, you're reading them, you're processing it, but you know, the answer. Oh yeah. No, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not compromising. I'm not compromising. No, I'm not compromising. Yeah, exactly. And that it's those little things is those little battles along the way kept giving me, I I think honestly have led me to this point to where I'm at now, you know, and and that is that faith and this convictions and, and willing to stand and not stand for, you know, and that just, it kept growing and the attacks kept coming more. And then, to the point to where there were, you know, it became very personal. It wasn't just departments backing out their support anymore and logistics and equipment to where I was actually presented with and being faced with. It wasn't my fire department, but the actual city of Portland was now trying to come after me personally and trying to fire me uh, from my position within the city of Portland, you know, and then and went under a, a 10 month investigation. Um, I had a baseless claims and lies made about sexual harassment and sexual discrimination. Um, and because I was the, you know, the face of firemanship conference and brothers in battle and all that, you know, was lumped into it. And basically the city was trying to say that I was bringing discredit and reproach to the city of Portland. And that's what they were trying to hang me out to dry with. Um, but I'll tell you, man, God is good. You know, even amongst all that, we were like, nope, we're going to keep going. Nope, we're doing another conference. Nope, we're planning this. Nope, Brothers in Battle is rolling. Nope, we're doing this. You know, I'm going to work and and uh, just willing to stand by, you know, what truth was. And, you know, it, it, it kind of sounds funny, but it, it really came down to that. And I'll even say just sitting in, talking with lawyers and, and sitting in investigation stuff, it came down to, well, you know, I'm offended. And, you know, these days, like, you know, I'm offended. And I literally, it was like, I'm offended. You're offended. I don't know what to tell you. You know, that, that, that's where we're at then. Okay. But any of you, you know, um, that know our body of work and that's where you, you alluded to it, you know, earlier is that, man, I got two amazing daughters. Both of them have done their time in public service. Uh, my oldest daughter was pursuing a career in the fire service, got her fire science degree, was doing her internship. She was in the fire cadet program, the same one that my wife and I both went through. Um, and she was pursuing it and, and doing great, you know, and then she ended up deciding for her that it wasn't what she wanted to keep doing. And unfortunately faced, you know, some of that, the, the, the bullshit that is out there, unfortunately against our tremendous women in the fire service that are doing a great job. And she was having to deal with, you know, some of that stuff and was like, "Ah, I just don't think I'm wanting to do this for my career. So she's not anymore, but I'm incredibly proud. You know, she got her EMT, went through all that and, and wanted to be a part of that. And my youngest daughter, Riley, she's an EMT right now. Um, she worked the, the last year and a half down in Bend, Oregon for the city of Bend Fire uh, in their ambulance operator program and was planning on going to medic school down there. And she got caught up with all the mandates as well, the vaccine mandates, and had to, you know, end up moving from that position and uh, move back in with us and is here with us in Montana. And she's working for the local ambulance company uh, as an EMT and uh, going to paramedic school, you know, next year. So, you know, strong women in the service, um, you know, and, and man, 
there's nothing that brothers in battle myself or anybody's been, you know, uh, if anybody's put any amount of work or time in with me personally in the firehouse or brothers in battle or any of us and how we carry ourselves, associate with, um, sweating and working, bleeding with, um, and our beliefs and values, you know, you realize that real quickly, uh, everything that was coming at us was just absolute lies and baseless, you know? And so we, uh, we stood by that, you know, praying that, you know, the truth would prevail and come out. And, you know, uh, uh, that was a long 10 months thinking, here's the city trying to fire me. And what's that going to look like? And then seriously, in one phone call, in a one minute phone call to me, uh, everything's been dropped and is unfounded and it's over. And it's like, what? Like, that's it. That's it. You know, and uh, I, I look back at it and it was like, man, you know, those things, all of those things that have helped, you know, get me to this point and have shaped who I am, what I believe, stand a willingness to to stand for what I believe and my values are. And I preach it in our classes, in my lectures, and we all have different uh, values, you know, different convictions. Um but that's what's happening nowadays, man. We got we got a lot of people out there in society not willing to stand up for what they believe in, uh, you know, and willing to say what they believe in and stand by it and make changes, you know, and do those things. And so I've not been perfect along the way, man, and have definitely struggled, struggled. But that is the path that I'm on is really trying to live out my faith, live out that faith, family fire, um, that hierarchy, um, that is everything to me, man. And uh, to to be willing to to stand for my convictions, you know, and hopefully, you know, be that role model for uh, my kids, you know, uh, the rest of my family, for my wife and for the brothers and sisters out there that I have the ability to engage with across the country, you know, trying, man. Well, I, you're doing it, man. And what I love about this is what came to mind is faith is not faith until it's tested. Mm-hmm. Right. Think about that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have faith, but how do I know how strong that is until it has some opposition until there's some real challenge? And sure. It's almost like a muscle, right? you bet you got to say today your faith muscle, if you call it a faith muscle is way stronger than it was yeah. the first time you had some adversity in your life, whether it's with family or the fire service that the more and more you overcome through faith in Jesus, through reading the Bible, reading God's word. And how often do you get into the Bible and you read a, a part, you know, a story in the Bible or, and it's like, that's what I'm going through right now. Right. Like how, how often does that happen? That's not on accident, (laughs) but right. So now your faith today is where it's at. Not because you want it to be, because you had to go through everything you went through and it had to be tested. And I just, I think that's such an important thing for anybody who's listening today is to to know that your faith isn't really faith until it's tested. Yeah. Yeah. I would echo that. I couldn't agree more, brother. Well, Cody, we're going on about an hour and 15 minutes. I think we need to do a second one of these. Okay. Um, how do you feel about that? We'll get once, once the holidays are over, I'd like to get this one out pretty soon. Okay. Um, but 
what I'd like to to do is right now you're I mean I saw your schedule you're pretty busy I know you're kind of having a, you have a little downtime now for the holidays yep what's the best way for um, our brothers and sisters listening today to get in touch with you to have you come out to their organization uh, teach a class share your message you know what's the best way for them to to contact you yeah uh, I'm an open book information's out there but uh, you know all over social media, you know, with brothers in battle, um, and my personal, you know, Instagram page and, uh, Facebook pages, you know, pretty much an open book, uh, put everything out there, maybe overshare too much. Um, but the numbers are on there too. My cell phone number is 718-208-9573. The numbers are on, on, you know, those pages. Our website is www.brothersinbattlellc.com. Um, and the contact information is on there too. So you could go to the, the website and from the website, there's a portal for class proposals requests. And, uh, you can look up, you know, uh, and ask, basically send an email to that direct link through that, uh, for a class request and send it out and, and, uh, yeah, go at it that way. But yeah, man, we'll be, I'm looking forward to this year. It's, it's shaping up. We're scheduling well into 2023 already, man. And I, I'm, I'm super excited for, uh, just the impact that brothers in battle is going to continue to have on the fire service, hopefully. And, uh, God willing. And, uh, yeah, call me anytime, text me, you know, reach out. Uh, I am busy, but you know, I will try to get back to you if I can. And, you know, I love, I love being able to, uh, you know, communicate and share with people. And I'll tell you, John, there's a lot of people out there that are going through a lot, uh, and hurting in a lot of ways and are dealing with a lot of stuff. And we put ourselves out there, um, sometimes on social media and just out there and, you know, it's like candy land people think, and it, you know, it's, uh, it's, but it's, you know, life is life and the struggle is real for, for all of us. And we're all going through things, you know, at different times. So, um, you know, it's, I would say, uh, reach out, man. If anybody's got any questions, any help, anything, you know, from, from the job wise or, or spiritually, mentally, where we're at with things, any advice, I sure as heck don't have it all figured out, man. Uh, but I'm willing to share what I got and, uh, love to chat. So. Thank you, brother. Yeah, man. No, thank you. I'm going to stop this. If you're looking to improve your mental and physical fitness, join our community. For only $5 a month, the cost of a cup of coffee, you'll receive a workout of the day, seven days a week, a daily inspirational message, seven days a week, a monthly training. But more importantly, you'll be surrounded by a community of like-minded firefighters all on the same mission to become the best versions of themselves so that they could serve their community and their families at the highest level. Head over to patreon.com backslash fit to fight fire and join our community.